6640. Your future lies in 6640. 66 books by 40 authors, and yet we now discover it's an integrated message system from outside our time domain. Welcome to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher is Chuck Missler, connecting the Bible to your life and the world around you. In today's study, Chuck begins his teaching on the book of 1 Chronicles, chapters 26 through 29. Father, we just thank you for the time we have together. We thank you for this opportunity to open your word to our lives. We pray that your spirit would do that, Father, open our hearts to you. We pray that we would not miss what you have here for our learning as we just commit this evening and ourselves into your hands in the name of Yeshua, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, we're finalizing the last session of our review of First Chronicles, where we're going to use, uh, review uh, chapters 26 through 29, in, a, in effect taking a final look at the reign of David himself. Second Chronicles will pick up Solomon and just continue through the dynasty. But David is the man. And uh, the book of Chronicles, just by way of refreshment here, in Hebrew means the words concerning the days... In the Greek translation called the Septuagint, it's, called, it's regarded as the supplements to First and Second Kings. The presumption of the reader should be that you've read First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings, or as some Bibles have it, First, Second, Third, and Fourth Kings. But in any case, those four books are uh, preceding in detailed summary of the history of the nation, both North and South. Chronicles is reviewing that from the point of view of the South. But they're looked at as supplements. The chronicler skips some things and adds some new things, uh, slightly differently. In the Latin translation, Jerome called it the Chromicon, from which we get chronicles. Are, uh, so First and Second Kings are really the political record in a sense, but First and Second Chronicles are the religious record. You'll notice the chronicler is focuses particularly on the priests and the Levites. There are 20 whole chapters and 24 parts of other chapters with matter that's not found elsewhere. So it is an appendix, in a sense. So that's, we'll, we'll find that as we go. They take the form of a history. David and Judah, of course, are the focal points. In other words, what some people would call the southern kingdom. Ezra, Nehemiah, and Chronicles were probably written by the same, if not person, editorial group, if you will. Um, the, uh, uh, the, the Chronicles takes it right up to the uh, return from Bab Babylonian captivity which, of course, is the story of Ezra and Nehemiah, but Chronicles is, is also a, a recapped history, if you will. It's clear that the chronicler had access to an incredibly substantial library um, because uh, there are all kinds of public documents alluded to throughout Chronicles, letters to and from Cyrus, from Artaxerxes, uh, Darius, and Artaxerxes, Langemanus, and so forth. Now, the monarchy, of course, uh, was established... Uh, by, Saul, uh, by uh, Samuel, uh, anointing Saul, and then David, Solomon, and then, the, then we ha after Solomon died, we have the Civil War. So First and Second Samuel takes us up to Solomon. First Kings picks it from Solomon on, and uh, right on to, uh, to the end. The Assyrian exile comes first, in which uh, the northern kingdom is really obliterated, not just sent captive that to, to ever return. As a nation, no. 
Um, but the uh, southern kingdom, of course, is entitled to some very special handling. It goes into exile, but with the commitment that it would be for 70 years and they would return. And indeed, that was fulfilled. So, Chronicles recaps. First Chronicles, of course, essentially parallels Second Samuel. But uh, Second Chronicles that we'll be taking, picking up in the next session uh, parallels First and Second Kings in a, from, a, from a chronological point of view. And uh, First and Second Samuel, of course, obviously this, you know, Samuel, Saul, and David. First and Second Kings deals with David's reign and Solomon, and then the divided kingdom, and then then the uh, the split and so forth. So okay. In First Chronicles, we had nine chapters of genealogies that I dragged you through line by line. Then we went to David. First Chronicles 10 to 29, the, to the end of the book, which we're finishing tonight, is the reign of David, a summary of it, obviously. Second Chronicles will deal in the first nine chapters with the reign of Solomon. And uh, much more action, much more complexity uh, from, from a reader's point of view. And that will continue the Davidic dynasty through all the kings right up until the Babylonian captivity. And there's, there's much tucked away in this area that is messianic, which shouldn't surprise you because Jesus is, after all, the son of David in, in, a, in a very real way. So we're still in the reign of David tonight. And just by way of review of some of the things we've covered in recent sessions, you remember that David, when he fought Goliath as a, as a kid, he picked up five stones. Many people miss that. The first, he took one to get Goliath. He had four left in his pocket. And Goliath had four brothers. And they are picked off in the, last, in the previous session by the mighty men. In fact, uh, Abishai uh, saved David's life by stepping in and getting Ishabinov, which was another Goliath-type character. All these were the sons of Anak. They were called Anakim. And uh, they were hybrids of a very, very strange kind. This leads to the study of the Rephaim. We reviewed that last time, which the, uh, the equivalent term in the Hebrew is the Nephilim, the fallen ones. The Rephaim really are the walking dead, in effect. And uh, the Nephilim were not just before the flood, also after that, Genesis 6, verse 4 says. And uh, when they went, when, when Moses sent out the spies, uh, they came back and said they saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, which come of the Nephilim. We were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so were we in their sight. In other words, we look at that as, gee, they must be exaggerating. Not by much. These were terrifying creatures that obviously Joshua and Caleb were the two exceptions that distinguished themselves by saying, hey, the Lord's on our side, let's go. But they waffled and that cost them 38 years that shouldn't have happened. They wandered in the wilderness till that entire generation passed away. And uh, so the Nephilim, mentioned in Genesis 6 verse 4, there were Nephilim in the earth in those days and also after that, when the sons of God came in, daughters of men. So we went through all that last time. Uh, we also talked about the topology of Mount Moriah last time. That's going to be important to recall when we get into the next session. Mount Moriah being a ridge system. Mount Zion, to the, there's three, three mountains to the left or westward is Mount Zion. Mount of Olives to the east. Right up the middle is a ridge system called Mount Moriah. And uh, there are valleys, Kedron Valley between it and Mount of Olives on the east. And Teropian Valley, which is now filled in, but the Teropian Valley existed between Mount Zion and the ridge system with a southern valley called the Hinnom Valley, just to give you a, a geographic frame of reference. And it was in this context that we saw the, the city of David was in the south tip of this ridge called Salem, also called Ophel. The thrashing for Aruna that was a major issue in our previous sessions, 
becomes, of course, the site of the temple in the next session. And, of course, there's the peak of this ridge system is a place called Golgotha, where Abraham offered his son, and 2,000 years later on that same spot, another father offered his son as an offering for others. Okay, David has reached his peak. He's an incredible warrior, a great general. He subdues the Philistines to the west, the Syrians and Hadeser to the north, Ammonites and Moabites on the east, and the Edomites and Amalekites on the south. So all of these traditional enemies were subdued under David's reign. He also followed through as a very constructive administrator. He organized the priesthood in the 24 courses and so forth. And uh, is known for having judgment and justice to all people. A, a, a solid guy. But on top of all of this, he's also a poet. A major poet. And a songwriter. He gave uh, Israel their hymnal. Virtually not all, but a, a major portion of the psalms are, of course, by David. So an incredible guy. A man of heart. And... Uh, it's interesting to contrast David's approach to things. He's a heart guy, not just a mind guy. Solomon will turn out to be a mind guy. David's kingdom, of course, the kingdom proper, is pretty well defined in, t in traditional terms. But the vassal state, the Philistines and the Ammonites and way up north of Hamath, became vassal states under his leadership. And uh, the Arameans to the north, which we think of as Syria, uh, also Moab and Edom are um, uh, pay tribute and uh, yield to, to David's sovereignty. So he was incredibly successful. Much of the peak that we will associate with Solomon's reign is somewhat an inertia of what David achieved by his military strength. Solomon spent his money defensively, not offensively. He really was a merchant prince. He really developed commerce. But if, when you examine his record, he also s sowed the seeds of Israel's demise. Because it obviously crashes and burns, so to speak, because when he dies, there's civil war, and it's a mess. But there is a golden era coming under Solomon, but David really paid the bills in advance for all of that. The 24 elders, when David organizes the priesthood and the 24 elders, we call it courses, if you will. That's going to be important for us, for us if we're going to study the book of Revelation. But it's also astonishing for many to realize there are non-Levitical priests in the Bible. Jethro, uh, Moses' father-in-law, was a priest. Of what? No one knows. We don't know a lot about that. Jacob gives tithes in Genesis 28. Great. To whom? Why? Law hasn't been given yet. That's interesting. And of course, the most notable of these non-Levitical priesthoods is Melchizedek. A couple of verses in uh, Genesis 14, and it would disappear in obscurity, except for Psalm 110 and three chapters in the book of Hebrews. Because the, the Melchizedekan priesthood is unique, that he's a king and a priest, and that becomes a model, in a sense, of what we anticipate the Messiah being, of course, and it also is one that the redeemed in the church. Not all believers, but the church are in the redeemed. And the, um, these are not the tribulation saints. These are a very special group, and I'll leave it to you to study carefully Genesis, I mean, uh, Revelation of 4, 5, and following, where they themselves clearly identify who they are. They can't be tribulation believers because they're contrasted in Revelation 7. They're clearly not angels, also from Revelation 7. They're not the nation Israel, by in terms of the context there. 
What distinguishes them? They have thrones. That's unusual for a priest. The, in, in Israel, the, Judah was the royal line, Levite was the priest. They were kept to be kept separate. When one intruded on the other, there was the payment had to be very serious consequences. These guys are in white raiment. That means they have a righteousness provided to them. They have crowns of gold that they essentially put on the glassy sea. And it's interesting that they're up there to put their crowns on the glassy sea before the Lamb gets the seven-sealed book, which when he opens those seals starts the, starts the uh, tribulation. And uh, they sing a song that identifies themselves clearly in chapter 5. And their elders, kings and priests, etc. It's important as you study your Bible to come to your own personal terms as to who they are. Don't accept it because we have a particular point of view. That's dangerous. You want to develop your positions and perspectives from your own study. It's very important. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him and sat on the throne. That's rather audacious. That's called chutzpah, unless you're the Son of God, right? And when he had taken the book and the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Wow. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by, their blood out of every, by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. So they're not Jews. They're a little of everything. Out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation, and hast made us to our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Who is that? Many people have trouble in eschatology, study the last things, because they haven't done their homework in ecclesiology. Need to understand what is the church. And we're not talking about organizations or structures. We're talking about the mystical, unique body of Christ. Paul was well taught in the Old Testament, under Gamaliel himself. And yet it blew his mind to discover the peculiar, unique privileges that the church enjoys that the Old Testament saints did not. And that's a very special thing. And you need to really understand what that means. And then all this comes into focus. Don't confuse the church with Israel. Many churches do, and that leads to confusion. Notice the us, us, us. 25 manuscripts have it that way. There is one manuscript that has doubts about it anyway, Alexandrinus, which is the Gnostic gospel out of uh, Gnostic manuscript out of Alexandria. Had the one manuscript out of twenty-six has this in the in a third person, and that in their number. It's amazing how many liberal commentators try to say there's a doubt about what really it says. No, they're not not in any not in any of the reputable manuscripts. Unto him that loved us and washed us from his sins, from his from our sins, in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God. This is in the first chapter of Revelation. This is a flashback to the opening part of the book, the fifth verse in the book. The Father, Son, and Holy Ghost address. He said, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us. There's John himself identifying himself with him. It's interesting that John, all through the Revelation experience, has things explained to him by a fellow elder. I think that's interesting. And it made the kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Indeed. Okay, so much for the review. Let's jump into the new material, chapter 26, the organization of the temple. Concerning the division of the poor, it's continuing. We already talked about the priests. Now we're following through with other, there's all kinds of other things that need dealing with. Concerning the divisions of the porters, of the Korhites, and 
Meshelamiah, the son of Korah, the sons of Asaph. Asaph's one of the singers, obviously. The sons of Meshelamiah were Zechariah, the firstborn, Jadiel, the second, Zebediah, the third, and Jethaniel, the fourth, and Elam, the fifth, and Jehoanan, the sixth, and Eli and I, the seventh. Here we go again. Realize you're, this has all the excitement of reading through the phone book, okay? Because there's two kinds of people here, those that we won't hear of again and don't, don't have a lot of interest in, and occasionally here and there there's somebody we can make a comment on, but in the meantime, we'll just wade through it. Moreover, the sons of Obed-Edom, and by the way, there's several of those. You'll see that name come up a couple of times. It's not necessarily the same guy. Um, were Shemaiah the firstborn, and Jehozabad the second, Joah the third, and Sakar the fourth, and Nethaniel the fifth, and Amiel the sixth, and Issachar the seventh. Issachar is an interesting one, you may recall, um, because in chapter 12, we used, since they were apparently characterized by understanding the times, and they knew what Israel had to do, we've adopted that label for our prophecy track. We have three basic legs on our stool, so to speak. The prophecy one we call the Issachar uh, track, and we draw from that verse. Anyway, uh, and the Pelethi the eighth, and God blessed him, and unto Shemaiah his son were sons born that ruled throughout the house of their father, for they were mighty men of valor. The sons of Shemaiah, Othni, and Raphael, and Obed, and Elzebub, and the, they were, whose brethren were strong men, Elihu, Shemachiah, all of these were sons of Obed-Edom, and they their sons of brethren, able men for strength of the service, were threescore and two of Obed-Edom, and Meshelamiah had sons and brethren, strong men, eighteen. And I'll give you a clue. None of this will be on the final exam. All right. And Hosea, the, uh, the children of Merari, Merari, excuse me, had sons, uh, Simri the chief, for though he was not the firstborn, yet his father made him the chief. Um, Helkiah the second, Tebaliah the third, Zechariah the fourth, and all the sons and brethren of Hosea were thirteen. Among these were the divisions of the porters, even among the chief men having wards, one against the other to minister in the house of the Lord, and they cast lots as well, the small as the great, according to the house of their fathers, for every gate. So they had guards. Basically what this all boils down to, when you get into the detail, is that they had tw guards 24 hours a day on all the gates to the city, for obvious reasons. This is, uh, uh, I shouldn't say the city, excuse me, to the temple, because there were treasures to be guarded. And the lot eastward fell to Shelemiah, then uh, for Zechariah's son, a wise counselor, they cast lots, and his lot came out northward, and Obed-Edom southward, and to his sons, the house of Asupim, and Shupim, and Hosea, the lot came forth westward, and the gate Shelecheth, by the causeway of the going up, ward against ward. And uh, eastward were six Levites, northward for a day, southward for a day, and toward Asupim, uh, two and two. And Barbar westward, four at the causeway, and two at the Barbar. And at the, these are the divisions of the porters among the sons of Korah and among the sons of Merari. So that's the record. And, and for, of the Levites, Ahijah was over the treasures of the house of God and over the treasures of the dedicated things. As concerning the sons of Laodan, the sons of Gershonite, Laodan, chief fathers even of Laodan, the Gershonite were Jehelai, and Je the sons of Jehelai, Jetham, and Joel, his brother, which were over the treasures of the house of the Lord. And the uh, Amorites, and the Izarites, and the Hebronites, and the Uzel, Uzielites, Shebuel, the son of Gershom, the son of Moses, was the ruler of the treasures. And his brethren by Eliezer, Rehabiah, his son, Jesiah, his son, Joram, his son, and Zikri, his son, and Shalomith, his son. 
obviously not requiring any of you to remember any of this. I can't even pronounce them properly. But it is, there is one lesson that we can draw from all of this is that God knows his own and they're recorded and they won't be forgotten. And there is a book, there is a book where your name, if your name is, if you're in the book of life. Now I have a very bizarre theory, have no evidence for it. Um, all the fuss about uh, Bible, so-called Bible codes are linear transforms in equidistant letter sequence, which is the most primitive form of mathematics, an equidistant letter sequence. No one has, to my knowledge, has explored polynomials. Where it's, non it's a nonlinear sequence. And you open that door, you can really get into all kinds of silly mysticism. And yet, it wouldn't surprise me that we will eventually discover that if your name is in the Book of Life, it is in this book that's in your lap. I wouldn't go looking for it. That'll be revealed at the right time. But it wouldn't surprise me at all if, uh, if that would be God's... If I understand him at all, I think that would be just one of the kind of surprises he might pull off. Amos uh, 3.7 says, The Lord will do nothing but that which he reveals to his servant, the prophets. The fact that he reveals it doesn't mean we understand it. Okay. Anyway, moving on. Which Shelomith and his brethren were over all the treasures of the dedicated things which David the king and the chief fathers, the captains over the thousands and the hundreds, the captains over the host, had, had dedicated. Out of the spoils, one in battles, did they dedicate to maintain the house of the Lord. It's interesting that David, as the chieftain, when they took spoils in a battle, they were really his to distribute. And it's out of his portion that he takes care of so many things. He paid all the bills for Solomon's temple in advance. Where do you get the money? Not from a salary. It's from his share of the booty and of, of these conquests and so forth. So, uh, see, they didn't have a, a government in the traditional sense as we think of it today. All that Samuel the seer and Saul, of, uh, and Saul the son of Kish and Abner the son of Ner and Joab the son of Zariah had dedicated and, and whosoever had dedicated anything, it was under the hand of Shelemith and of his brethren. You know, Saul had his military leader Abner and Joab, of course, the military leader for David. So you've really got their, their uh, uh, secretary of war in each case there, so to speak. Anyway, moving on. Of the Israelites and Chenaiah and his sons were the outward business over Israel for officers and judges. And the Hebronites, Hashbiah and his brethren, men of valor, a thousand and seven hundred, were officers among them of Israel on this side of the Jordan westward in all the business of the Lord and in the service of the king. Among the Hebronites was Jerijah, the chief. Even among the Hebronites, according to the generation of his fathers in the fortieth year of reign of David, were they sought for. And they were found among them mighty men of valor at Ezer of Gilead. And his brethren, men of valor, were 2,700 chief fathers, whom King David made rulers over the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half-tribe of Manasseh. Those were the two and a half tribes that were east of the Jordan, you may recall, for every matter for turning to God and affairs of the king. Whew. Okay. There's a little more of this in the next chapter. We can now get to the civil government. Now the children of Israel, after their number, to wit, the chief fathers and captains and thousands and hundreds, their officers that served the king in any matter of the courses, which came in and went out month by month throughout all the months of the year, for every course were 24,000. Over the first course of the first month was Jashabim, the son of Zabdiel, and in his course were 24,000. Of the children of Perez was the chief of all the captains of the host for his month, for the first month, excuse me. And over the course of the second month was Dodai the Ehohite, and of his course was Mikloth, also the ruler, and his course likewise were twenty and four thousand. Third captain of the host for the third month was Benaiah, 
the son of Jehida, the chief priest, and his course were twenty-four thousand. This is that Benaiah who was mighty among the thirty and above the thirty, and in his course was Amazabad, his son. You remember that we went through the couple of groups of thirty in the very early counting of, of David's mighty men. Look at them as their standing army, if you will. The fourth captain of the fourth month was Ahazel, Asahel, the brother of Joab, and Zebediah, his son after him, and in his course were twenty and four thousand. The fifth captain of the fifth month was Shamhuth, the Israelite, and in his course were twenty and four thousand. And the sixth captain for the sixth month was Ira, the son of Ikesh, the Tekoite, and in his course were twenty and four thousand. The seventh captain of the seventh month was Helaz, the Pelonite, the children of Ephraim, and in his course were twenty and four thousand. The eighth captain of the eighth month was Zebekai, the Hushahite, and Zerahites, and in his course were twenty and four thousand. The ninth captain of the ninth month was Abazer, the Anetothite of the Benjamites, and in his course were twenty and four thousand. And the tenth captain for the tenth month was Maharai, the Netophathite of the Zarhites, and in his course were twenty and four thousand. The eleventh captain for the eleventh month was Benaiah, the Pirathonite of the children of Ephraim, and in his course were twenty and four thousand. The twelfth captain for the twelfth month was Heldai, the uh, Neptophilite of Othniel, and in his course were twenty and four thousand. At this point, we're glad it wasn't a leap year where there was thirteen months. Okay, all right. Verse sixteen. For, furthermore, over the tribes of Israel, the ruler of the Reubenites was Eliezer, the son of Zikri, and of the Simeonites, uh, Shephatiah, the son of Mechah, of the Levites, Hashabiah, the son of Kemuel, of the Aaronites, Zadok. Of Judah, Elihu, one of the brethren of David, of Issachar, Omri, the son of Michael, of Zebulun, Ishmaiah, the son of Obadiah, of Naphtali, Jeremoth, the son of Azrael, of the children of Ephraim, Hosea, the son of Isaiah, and half tribe of Manasseh, Joel, the son of Padiah, of the uh, half tribe of Manasseh, and Gilead, on the other side, Edo, the son of Zechariah, of Benjamin, Jezeel, the son of Abner, of Dan, Azareel, the son of Joram. These were the princes of the tribes of Israel. You've been listening to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher was Chuck Missler, teaching through the book of 1 Chronicles. For a complete listing of resources available, please visit khouse.org. You can also call us on one 800 K House One. To learn more about Koinonia Institute, visit koinoniainstitute.org. Thank you for listening to 6640 and for your continued prayerful support of this ministry. Until next time, as we continue this series, may God bless you with the knowledge of His Son, Jesus Christ, as you study His Word.